Hello, everyone. It's time for Vanish Chicagoland Stories, the podcast. I'm your host, Pete Costanas. This is episode 202, season nine. Today's date is March 4th, 2023, and welcome to the show. On today's program, I will talk about uh, three things. First, uh, I will talk about Dynamite Magazine. Uh, second, I will talk about the Telefirst subscription television service in Chicago. And also, I will discuss the 40th anniversary of the compact disc player. So this will be, uh, I have a mixed bag, so this will be very interesting. It's a, it sounds like a fun show. Okay, so right now the program will go into a commercial break. And this program is brought to you by McDonald's Sundays. Comes in three flavors, folks. Yeah, so it's still around. So I found a commercial from 1978, I believe. Yeah, late 70s. So sit back and enjoy, and I'll be right back. Thank you, everyone. Did you ever see a Sunday smile? No, but I once saw a glass bowl. That's a Sunday smile. McDonald's Sunday glasses, stack them up neat. It's glass. Collect them lads and lasses, hot fudge caramel strawberry, thick vanilla base. Great taste. Spoon up a Sunday smile, turn the glass into a face. Now you can buy a McDonald's Sunday in a special glass. At McDonald's. What a value. We do it all for you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, everyone, I am back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the commercial for McDonald's Sundays. Uh, this commercial also mentioned uh, they came in a glass uh, cups, you know, glass containers. Uh, McDonald's doesn't do it anymore. Doesn't do that anymore. They do do plastics. I remember when these were introduced. Uh, it was about in the mid 70s, 75, 76. I remember I was in grade school. Uh, in Corius Elementary uh, that we just moved from Damon Damon Avenue to uh, Payless Hills. And I remember one classmate, I'm not going to mention her name, uh, she came to the class and during lunch hour, some way, somehow, she brought in a strawberry sundae from McDonald's. I recognize it because of the commercials. So that looks so good, you know, like that. And uh, once in a while, I do get one because I, I like hot fudge. I, I love hot fudge sundaes. They're, they're wonderful. I know they're fattening and ugh, sinful. Uh, 
but I never ordered the other flavors, uh, like the uh, caramel or strawberry. I don't know. Then if the caramel's kind of sticky. I like caramel, but I never ordered those there. Mm, maybe once I did for caramel. Uh, like I said, they're still around. Uh, they're not cheap. <laughs> sometimes they serve nuts. You know, sometimes the... Uh, I don't know. They don't serve them anymore with nuts unless you request it if you go to McDonald's. But they did a long time ago, which is pretty bizarre like that. And, uh, of course, right now, this is the time of season of Shamrock Shake, which uh, was introduced in 1970. And I still I had one about a couple weeks ago. Very small one, indeed. I always have one or two. Uh, was uh, trying to be careful. I like the old Shamrock Shakes where it's like they didn't use, uh, I don't know, it's uh, they didn't use whipped cream or it's kind of, a, they used it like in a regular cup. Now they use it in a plastic cup with a, dome, a plastic dome. It's fine. Sometimes they put a cherry in it. <laughs> Sometimes not. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's about it for that commercial. <laughs> okay. At the beginning of the program, I... I mentioned what I'm going to talk about, and that is the Dynamite Magazine, the Telefirst uh, subscription television service in Chicago, and also the uh, the 40th anniversary of the seat of the compact disc player. Uh, before I get started, I want to mention there was one post I post I posted a couple days ago, and that was the 60th anniversary of Turnstile. Uh, family center stores and that when I posted that on Van Chicago land they just took off uh, a lot of people remembered the store as well as, as me I, I, I remember it as well and uh, I think I did talk about it on a podcast episode listen I did 200 episodes I don't remember so maybe I'll talk about it again in a later show and there were two stores that opened. One was at uh, at the Foster Harlem uh, Shopping Center, or Harlem Foster Shopping Center, excuse me. That's located on the northwest side of Chicago. I passed by it one day years ago, and I did see the jewel there. But I, I forgot the turnstile was there. And the second and the second location was at uh, Skokie Boulevard in Skokie. I forgot the exact address probably near gross point road so they opened the same time two of them and then more open as the years went on and of course i remember the one uh, near my old house was at fort city mall and that was a, a jewel and a turnstile and that was there until 1978 and then venture open there and i think venture open on on the others maybe uh, i'm not sure i'll do some uh digging and searching about that but uh it was a good store i liked it you know i bought my first comic book there <laughs> at, at turnstile and i remember it was batman family number eight i think i did that so i'll discuss uh turnstile another time okay so let's get started uh, first, uh, I will talk about the comp uh, the 40th anniversary of the compact disc player. OK, 
Okay, and I had a very interesting uh, history. Uh, I posted a photo of the uh, the first one that was made was from the Sony company in Japan. Of course, it was the uh, CDP-102 from 1982. And uh, they were, uh, it was from 1982, that was in Japan, excuse me. <clears throat> and then, uh, then the following year, it uh, they were introduced in the United States and then in other countries. And I never bought one like that. Uh, I'm trying to remember because in the 80s where I lived in that, in the Ashburn neighborhood, I think my brother bought one, probably from Video King. I have to ask, I should have asked him, but uh, I'll talk to him this weekend. And I remember it was in the basement and we, and we started uh, collecting. It was very exciting at the time that we got that. And then we bought CDs, uh, quite a few, you know, we had cassettes, you know, and record albums at that. And then, uh, just grew popular. And then, uh, record stores provided us, you know, uh, compact discs, you know, music, uh, all kinds of formats, uh, all kinds of genres, uh, rock, uh, country, R and B, uh, classical, uh, maybe uh, theme songs, you know, you got whatever they had, they had it. And uh, also, you know, all, all, not just record stores, also from department stores as well. Uh, Poke, uh, Poke Brothers, uh, Weebolts, uh, JC, mm, I don't know about JC Penny, Woolworths, uh, Montgomery Ward, uh, Marshall Fields. I remember an ad, I saw that in the Chicago Tribune. They had, uh, when they first were released, uh, in the United States, they had a big ad, and uh, so they did have a maybe they had a music section on State Street. Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> Sorry. So um, yeah, we had that one um, that my brother brought for a long time, and then I don't know what happened to it. I guess it cocked out, and we threw it away. I don't remember what make it was or model. And then uh, then it was. The portables came out uh, about 1984, but I didn't buy that one until much later in the 90s. And I remember that one. It was a portable CD player. And uh, I bought CDs as time went on and I collected them. Uh, but mostly I like oldies from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, not so much. And uh, so I did that. And uh, and I remember visiting independent uh, record stores to uh, collect them, and I did that uh, all the time. I visit. Uh, there was one uh, record store. It was in what was the suburb Downers Grove or Westmont. It was called Re Remember When, and that was in uh, on Ogden Avenue. Uh, it's closed now, so it was a great store. They had a lot of rare. CDs, uh, they had cassettes and a few re record albums, and I started collecting them, and I still have them to this day. Uh, I don't want to get rid of them. I don't know why. I just, I just don't. And uh, the clarity of the sound sounds beautiful. It really does uh, compared to the albums, which is scratchy and. Uh, you know, you hear static, but you know, it's kind of nice to have a vinyl record. It's, 
I don't know. It's it's you have the album cover, which uh, shows art and the list of songs and the and the lyrics and uh, the artists on the CD. Uh, you do it, it does, yeah, but uh, not as much as an album. You have more room, or also it folds like it has a gatefold like that. And uh, so that was kind of nice, like that. Anyway, so uh, as time went on, you know, uh, CDs fell out of popularity because of the internet. And of course, the uh, iTunes was introduced. And I think it, I, I don't know when exactly iTunes was uh, introduced. I, I don't remember exact date, but I do know when the iPod was introduced. It was 2007. And I bought my first iPod about 2010, something like that. I st you know, I still have the first one. I really do. I, I posted a picture of me holding it with my earphones. So that's kind of nice. And with the iTunes, uh, you can uh, burn CDs. Uh, that's a new term, computer. And it's burning. So if you had a drive, you enter a blank CD and then... Uh, just uh, click on the song that you purchase, and then you can keep it on CD uh, like that. Uh, I don't know if it's being done today. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, right now I'm going to play a commercial, and uh, it's not for, from Sony. This is from Hitachi, and it's a the from 1984. It's a Hitachi compact disc player, and its slogan was, That's Quality. So sit back and enjoy, and I'll be right back. Thank you, everyone. Hitachi, a world leader in technology, presents quality, backed by the most aggressive research program in our history. You can hear the quality in Hitachi's compact disc player, a technological breakthrough in audio reproduction. Laser and disc come together for one of the purest sounds ever. Its computerized programmability is a work of magic. That's quality. That's Hitachi, a world leader in technology. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, everyone, I am back. I hope you enjoyed the commercial for Hitachi Compact Disc Player. Uh, I want to mention a few more things before I get to the next topic. Uh, I remember when you had a CD player, sometimes it skipped you know, if you uh, had a portable one or maybe it was scratched, you know, like that. It was like, zzz, zzz, like that. <laughs> Sounds awful. And uh, also, you can uh, sometimes when you bought a new car during that time when the CDs were introduced, uh, you had one in there. Uh, let me, I'm trying to remember. Did I? Yeah. I, when I bought uh, my first Toyota Corolla in 1993, had a CD player, and I st uh, and then I started playing CDs. Oh, that was kind of cool. It was very nice. Then I bought another Corolla in 2004, 
and they had a CD player, and I started listening to that, and the music sounded crisp, nice, clean. It was, and then uh, about last year, well, not last year, uh, no, in 2021, I bought another Corolla. <laughs> I love Corollas. This did not uh, provide a, uh, it did not equip a CD player. No, that was, they done away with it. So uh, if I want to, it, it does have a satellite radio, if you like to subscribe, which I, I don't listen to radio much uh, these days. So uh, that's a shame. So uh, I, it has a radio. A regular radio, AM, FM, you want to listen to the traffic or a radio station like that. Or you can plug in your, uh, your music player or your phone and you can play songs if you like. You could do that. I haven't figured that out yet. I am, uh, I just listen to the radio. I'm old fashioned. <laughs> just listen to an, I listen to an oldie station and I'm content. Also, um, uh, the last thing I want to mention, the first C uh, title uh, that was released on CD was from 52nd Street by Billy Joel that was uh, released on CD. I'm sure if someone has that, uh, maybe unopened, it could be a collector's item. So that's kind of cool. What? Who knew? <laughs> Who knew about that? So I, I always assumed that CDs would last forever. But they didn't. But you know, vinyl made a comeback, and it's still popular now. People like vinyl; they really do. And uh, there were rumors that CDs might come back, and then cassette players. But mm, I don't know about cassette CD. Maybe, maybe I don't know. But you know, right now when you want to listen to music, you listen to your computer or your music player. They don't even make that anymore. Or you just uh, listen to the radio because we have cloud now. Okay. So uh, it, it, the things have changed uh, rapidly for how do you, how and uh, where you listen to music, to your favorite songs. Okay. Next up, uh, here's an unusual subject is the Telefirst subscription television service. Oh, I remember this. This is very bizarre, very odd. And uh, I think most people have for totally forgotten about it. I, I didn't, but uh, some people do remember that. So I'll give you a, little, a brief history of this. So, uh, so here we go. So on January 17, 1984, uh, WLS-TV, uh, Channel 7 in Chicago, launched Telefirst. And uh, it was owned by ABC, and, and it was an overnight subscription television. And uh, this was only four hours per night, six days a week. And I believe it started from 11 o'clock to 2 a.m. No, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It started at 2 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning till about 6 o'clock in the morning. So that's when Channel 7 uh, went off the air. Right now, Channel 7 is on 24 hours a day. And it was similar to the format of on TV during the uh, 80s and also Spectrum. 
know, on TV aired on WSNS TV channel 44 and Spectrum own, uh, aired on, not owns, uh, aired on channel 66. And it was WFBN at the time. Now it's WGBO. Channel 44 and channel 66 are now Spanish stations. Uh, um, so uh, WLS wanted to jump into competition because uh, by the time on TV was waning, uh, Spectrum disappeared. So, but this was different, very different indeed. Um, so it was uh, it was connected to your VCR. It was not like a it was a weird decoder box. So it was created to allow viewers allow users to record programming for later viewing. Uh, a lot of people, most people, are not up at that time. You know, at two o'clock in the morning or or till six, unless you have an early shift at your job or you just can't sleep. So, and then, let's see. And then uh, they were designed to encrypt the, like I said, to design to encrypt the signal only when the aid of a VCR. So it's not just a television. Whereas uh, on TV, you had a, you had a decoder box. So uh, it was bizarre. It really was. <laughs> And then scrambling codes were sent to the box and relayed to the BCR when they were changed and changed uh, every month. And uh, this was only to subscribers. That and uh, I don't know. This uh, this sounds convoluted. Uh, not very appealing. Not at all like that. And according to a blog that I found. Uh, you just can't watch it while you're up, you know, you have to, I don't know, you just can't do that. And the programming was, uh, it sounds nice, they, and there were movies that were released in the theaters, and then they went to, uh, just like on TV, into her home. We're trying to have cable, <laughs> like that. And if you didn't, and I remember on Channel 7, I, I was up most sometimes because I went to DeVry, Institute of Technology, and I was studying, and I turned on Channel 7, and I saw the uh, the telefirst, and then it's like uh, negatives, of like in, a old, like in photographs, and they're talking, and it's kind of bizarre. It's like, it looks like a science fiction movie. <laughs> like that. And it's it was, first it scrambled. Sometimes it came on. Just for a brief second, you would see they were. You would see the. You would watch the movie. There's a little dialogue, and then it went back like that. It was, it was scrabbled like that. So I didn't. The, besides movie, they had. Uh, besides movies, they had lifestyle programs uh, like cooking. Not much. So uh, it was not very successful. No, it was very brief, and. Uh, According to some sources, they only had about uh, 4,000 subscri subscribers, and that was it. And uh, so that's how, so you had to record the the movies with your it record you had to record the movies with your VCR, and then you could watch it uh, whenever you want. But uh, that's that's not very appealing. I, I know I said that before. 
Okay, so um, it was just a, it was a big bomb. That's what it was. And then it ended in June 30th, 1984. So it lasted about five months, over five months, not very long. So right now I'm going to, I'm going to play the commercial for Telefirst courtesy of uh, the, um, the Museum of Classic Television uh, by Rick Klein. Also, he's at, at fuzzymemories.tv. Thank you very much, Rick. Yeah, like I said, here's the commercial of that. And when I come back, I'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay, thank you. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to take a drive? You want to yeah, go? Why not pick up the phone and call Telefirst and see first-run movies in your home soon after they're in your local theater? Staying alive. Octopussy. Just take those old... Risky business. Like shoot fish in a barrel. Porky's 2. Every month, Telefirst beams first-run hits to your VCR for automatic taping so you can watch them whenever you want. And Telefirst is fabulous concerts, children's specials, other great movies, new entertainment each month. So go to the phone and call 1-800-752-1100. Telefirst costs no more than $25.95 a month because for every first-run movie you choose not to see each month, we'll deduct $2 from your bill. We can even get you a top model VCR below list price. George, hand me the phone. Call Telefirst, where first run hits run first. Okay, everyone, I am back. I hope you enjoyed the commercial for Telefirst. And this is, that, that one is from 1984. There are a few more on YouTube if you care to watch. Uh, also, there's a video of that explains about the Telefirst uh, subscription service. Uh, you have to search under uh, Oddities Archive, and there's a... It will explain how that works uh, in more detail, you know, as, as I described it, so um, I apologize. <laughs> so this was very unique and very, uh, like I said, strange. But uh, right now, when we want to record something, we have DVRs, we have streaming. Uh, some people ha still have VCRs. I have one. Yeah, I still do. Uh, I don't know, kind of nostalgic. <laughs> and uh, so they have cloud service, you know, with uh, if you want to watch a show or you can watch it later. So, but it's streaming right now. That's that's a that's very popular. Very popular. I think cable is slowly going away. It is because uh, it's getting expensive, and a lot of people don't like it. I don't blame them. You know, but uh, it's it's tough. You know, but uh, if you're a sports fan, you have to have cable. You know, because uh, like for example, you watch baseball, basketball. That's what you watch on that. Streaming doesn't really provide that. Some, but not all. You know, they have movies, they have original series, uh, old reruns, which is great. You have it to choose. But you know what they do on streaming, like, for example, Netflix or Amazon Prime or any other station? They they have programs listed, and then they yank them, and then you never see them again. Then they, brought it, they bring a new programming or old programming. It kind of stinks. I wish they just leave it there, you know. Leave, you know so thank God for DVDs. If you have a DVD collection... 
I, I do for television or I have a few movies. You can watch them anytime, you know, on your DVD player. It's, uh, thank goodness for that. They still make them. They really do. I hope they don't go away. I hope not. Okay. Now, I saved the best for last. Uh, uh, next up is Dynamite Magazine. Oh, I loved this magazine when I was a kid. I really did. So I'll tell you my memories, my early memories, that is, of this magazine. And uh, it's history of that. Okay, so uh, Dynamite Magazine was uh, published from 1974 to 1980, 19, excuse me, 1992 by the Scholastic Incorporated. You remember uh, that company that provided uh, fun books, textbooks, and that was founded by a woman. Her name was Jeanette Kahn, and I remember her. She was a publisher for DC Comics for many, many years. I remember seeing her name because I'm a comic book, comic book collector. And she created Vertigo Comics. Remember that? That was from 1992 or something like that, 93. And uh, uh, Vertigo Comics is gone. Uh, they, they got rid of it. Uh, it, was, uh, it was published for a long time, maybe about uh, almost 30 years, 25, between 25 and 30 years. Uh, she doesn't work there anymore. I don't think so, but she was... She was responsible for that, and also as as for Dynamite Magazine. And uh, she that magazine became so successful, very successful, and uh, it inspired uh, other periodicals, like, for example, Bananas. If, if some people remember that, I'm going to talk about that one day. Also, Wow, Hot Dog, and Peanut Butter. I don't remember those three at all. No. I think Marvel Comics made something similar like that. Oh, yeah. I think it was Pizzazz. Something like that. Anyway. The first... Uh, I will get to the issues uh, in a moment. So, here's my memories of this magazine. Uh, I was in grade school. Uh, maybe about mm, fifth grade, sixth grade. And the teacher says, uh, you can, we are order. you would like to order books. And most were fun books. And I remember that we get an order form. Each student uh, received that, and, you know, the teacher gave them to him, that is. And I remember a few books that I like, uh, like, for example, I remember I ordered one for Mary Tyler Moore show, That Darn Cat from the 1965 movie. <laughs> You know, I, I remember those. And there were other... Sounder. That was from the movie uh, that starred Cicely Tyson in 1973. I remember uh, getting that. Then, uh, in 1974, they started offering Dynamite magazine. You know, I asked the teacher, can I order this magazine? This sounds like fun. Yeah, and she said, yes, go ahead. And uh, I had no idea what it was about. And uh, not... Not much. I did just says, no, it looks like a, because it had cool covers. So I ordered that. And then I got it, the first, the first one. And I had about a, maybe, oh, maybe 10 or so. And then I, the, I don't know what happened to him. I think my mom threw him away. So, so uh, Jeanette Kahn, the publisher, she edited the first three. 
uh, Dynamite. And then she moved on to DC Comics. So, and uh, let's see. So this, the description of the magazine was, uh, it was like an activity book. And it offered tricks, recipes, games, and contests. So it was like a pop culture updated monthly. And it was available available through subscription. And uh, uh, not much at newsstands. You remember newsstands. And then you have, uh, is also through the teachers using the Scholastic Aero Book Club. So that's what. That's what it was when we were in school, like that. And uh, the features of the magazine, we also, uh, let's see, we had, it was featured uh, Magic Wanda. She would do how to guide selective magic tricks. I remember that. Also, bummers. And it was like, uh, like, for example, it would start the words, don't you hate it when, and... uh, I remember those. It had it had kids one line woes like that. Also had a now a word from our sponsor, like just in the television. It was a commercial parody in comic book form. That was fine. Also, this one is the most memorable thing about uh, Dynamite Magazine was Count Morbida. And uh, he had a puzzle page. Uh, he was kind of scary to me when I was little. He was like, he looked like a very fiendish grotesque vampire Oof. Yeah, he still gives me a little chill now that but he, he was good and uh also hot stuff featuring gags and new items and uh also reprinted um marvel and dc superhero superheroes of their origin i remember i remember one was uh the fantastic four from marvel and also the incredible hulk it also had uh, an advice column called Good Vibrations. I don't really remember that much, no. But it provo- uh, Dynamic covered uh, uh, profiles of people from cart- uh, people from TV series, movies, uh, TV stars. Yeah, let me let me start in the beginning. It was TV stars, cartoons, mu- uh, movie stars, also musical stars. And I really, I'm going to read off a few of the issues in a moment. And also, it also had uh, posters, greeting cards and calendars and records. Uh, they had a record. Um, someone mentioned on Facebook they had it uh, like a disco record. And I don't remember that. Maybe it was the issue with the Bee Gees at the time. <laughs> like that. Also had uh, baseball cards, glow-in-the-dark items, stickers. Uh, they had uh, posters that they were uh, uh, equipped with 3D glasses, you know, 3D posters. I remember that. I remember one with King Kong and one with um, maybe Star Wars. I'm not sure. Uh, what else they had like that in the... Like the records, they, they had one for Count Morbida. They, it's just, uh, you can find that on YouTube if you'd like. I remember it was square, not round. I mean, it looked round in the middle. And I remember seeing that, and I didn't play it. You know, I had that, and I was too frightened to play it because <laughs> somebody had it in the classroom and played that. They had a record player, and he's, he was too scary. 
something like that. Also, the uh, the bummer section, they also invited people, you know, like children to uh, send in their own bummers. And they could do that. So that's kind of cool, like that. Okay. So right now, uh, I'm going to read off the uh, cover stories, but I'm not going to read all of them because there were 165 issues. So I'm just going to read uh, what I remembered and were very popular in the 70s. So so here we go. Uh, the first issue was uh, it was published in March 1974. It was Dynamite Meat MASH. So MASH was a huge television hit. It featured uh, Alan Alda and Gary Berghoff as uh, Hawkeye and Radar. Also, the second issue was with the, Wal uh, the Waltons, like that. And let's see. Also, this is the first one I got, and that was The Love Bug Returns. You know, based on the 1969 movie, The Love Bug. Oh, I love that movie. That was great. Also, the, the other one was Born Free, based on the uh, movie and the... Uh, I think it was they, uh, from the movie came out in the sixties, but they had a t TV series based on the, on the movie in, in the seventies. I remember that I got that one. Also, it featured Snoopy, All in the Family. I got that one. I had that one. The Six Million Dollar Man. Well, he was huge. He really was. Also, John Denver. Also, another popular star was uh, Jimmy Walker from Good Times, who had said Dynamite. He did that. Also, Little House on the Prairie. Uh, Welcome to Dynamite Monster Bash. It's probably Count Morbida, Morbida and his gang. <laughs> also, they had about Disney World. They had that. Interesting. Like that. And uh, they also had uh, issue TV 76, A Dawn Good Season, which features, I believe, uh, Tony Orlando and Dawn. They were a huge, uh, you were a popular act with Tony Orlando and Dawn. They had own variety series. Also, Bruce Lee, you know, lives. He was on the cover in November 1975. And that was, uh, you know, he died in 1973 because of his uh, karate movies like that. And also featured Cher because she had her own uh, TV variety show at the time. Ah, now here's the one. This one I posted a couple days ago, and it featured a Henry Winkler as the Fonz. Okay, and uh, I posted that on my social media accounts: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And on Twitter, I tag Henry Winkler on on Twitter, and he responded. <laughs> And he went, hey, <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. I That really made my day. It really did. Which, incidentally, he was here in Chicago, I think at the World of Wheels convention in Rosemont. I don't know if he's there for two days, one day. I know he was there yesterday. So he was, this, this was amazing. He responded. But I did run into the Fonz a, long t a few years ago when I was at Wizard World in Rosemont. Um, I was walking around and dropped something and uh, he, he was standing right there and he picked it up for me and he said, hello. And then he walked away. <laughs> I want to say thank you, but he was in a hurry. So, oh my God, that freaked me out for the entire day. Also, I remember the Sweat Hogs. They ventured uh, from Welcome Back Cotter. Also, they have a special Dynamite's 50s party issue. Now, this one had a poster 
of fifties memorabilia, like records, Life Magazine. Also, the Fonz was in the middle. I had that poster, and I hung it on my door, my bedroom, at the door of my bedroom, and I had it for a long time. I loved that poster, and I found it online. I posted that. That that took me some memories that was wonderful. I loved it. I really did. Also, uh, there was the Bionic Woman, uh, Laverne and Shirley. Also, Six Million Dollar Man versus the Bionic Woman. Also, Donnie Marie. Also, Bay City Rollers, the group. Uh, Fonzie and Pinky Cus Tuscadero. Now, I remember this. It was a famous epi a classic episode on Happy Days with Fonzie and uh, Pinky. And they were on the cover. And... Uh, it got huge uh, ratings, but, you know, uh, she wasn't invited back to the show. I don't know what happened. I don't know. That was by Ross Kelly. That's the actress's name. And she disappeared. I don't know what happened to her. But then they brought in her sister, Leather, by Susie Quattro. <laughs> That's another story like that. Also, there was uh, Captain Tennille, the What's Happening Gang. Uh the Return of the Brady Bunch, that was based on the Brady Bunch Hour for the Variety Series. Remember that? The Hardy Boys, Farrah Fawcett, Sylvester Stallone. Also, Logan's Run, based on the movie and the TV series. And also, Star Wars, uh, featuring Chewbacca and Sean Cassidy. Also, Christy McNichol from Family. Remember that show? Kate Jackson, also in the uh, birthday of Mad Magazine. I remember that. And she's, Shields and Yarnell, that's a mime duo. Do you remember that? They used to be on, they appeared on uh, TV variety shows. I think the Hudson Brothers and Cher. I remember that. And, then, and many, many more. Many, many more. I, 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 stopped, I didn't get more after I graduated from grade school in 1977. So uh, I won't. That's all for that's all for the covers. Except the last one was uh, it featured uh, Julia Roberts and Arnold Schwarzenegger from March of 1992, and that was uh, issue one sixty five. It just went away. So they're very collectible, but uh, I didn't know they existed after that. <laughs> so it's amazing. It really was. I loved the magazine. It was fun to read. I used to read it in my bedroom, sometimes in the classroom. I got in trouble for that. So, so that was uh, a very uh, cool nugget from the 1970s, late 1970s for me. You know, some kids made fun of it, of, of me reading it, but I loved it. Uh, it was so colorful and fun to read. Not really educational, no. It was just entertainment. It was very entertaining. Okay. All right. So that'll be all for today for this show. So I'll do a quick recap of what I discussed. Uh, I talked about the 40th anniversary of the compact disc player. Also the Telefirst subscription television service and Dynamite Magazine. And this uh, podcast episode will be published later on today. It'll be available wherever podcasts are. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Uh, 
Also, this will be on my YouTube channel of the same name, Vanished Chicagoland Stories. I will publish this on the, uh, the YouTube channel. I will publish this on my social media accounts. Because it seems like, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of people find it very, find it easier to listen and to search. Of course, uh, most people younger than me like to tap on an app on a phone and listen to it as well on Spotify or whatever app is there. And but YouTube, uh, I tell me, just listen on YouTube. If you have a, a, a desktop computer or a tablet or even on your phone, you can listen to that as well. Whatever is easier. Also, it's on streaming. If you have Spotify or YouTube, you can listen on, on your TV. You can stream it if you like. If you like, it's there. It's kind of cool. I did that a few about a couple a uh, year ago, and I listened to one of my episodes on my big screen TV, and I listened on YouTube. It was kind of cool seeing that. So it's kind of nice. Okay. So, uh, like I said before, this will be published later on this afternoon. It'll be uh, just do a little couple touch-ups, and it'll be fine. My next episode will probably be Tuesday. We'll see. Or next weekend. Depends uh, how busy I am. So uh, that's it for the show. This is Pico Stanis, your host of Van Chicago and Stories. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, it's it's going to be a nice weekend. You know, yesterday we were going to get uh, snow. I didn't get any. That didn't happen. You know, it was anticlimactic. <laughs> the weathermen scare you like that. Okay, so this is bye-bye for me, and here is Ray Rayner with a little traveling music saying bye-bye-bye. Take care, everyone. So long. We have to go. Bye-bye-bye. <laughs>